Welcome to Margins. I'm Dr. Christopher Witt. Today we're joined by Brandon Carlton. Brandon's a friend of mine, and he's also a community leader and organizer. He's the owner of Brandon Carlton Content Creation, and he's also a pastor at Connection. He does a lot of great things in our community, and we're going to take a little bit of time to talk about some of his upcoming events, as well as some of his ongoing activities. Brandon, I'm really happy that we were able to sit down and have this conversation. Uh, over the years, as I've gotten to know you, you do so many different things in the community. And every time I look around, you're popping up in some shape, form, or fashion, trying to promote some good, trying to promote justice, trying to help other people's efforts out, really volunteering to to really make a better world, I, I guess we could say. And uh, I'm really excited to talk to you about what you have coming up. Just tell me a little bit uh, about what you have going on, the event that you uh, have called Different. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I see the same things in you. And so it's an honor to uh, to be here and have this conversation for sure. Um, but yeah, so Different is, well, there's kind of two questions there, right? So one is, what is Different? What's the goal of Different? Um well, the short of it is that different was just designed to create, to use art mainly. Um, so maybe it's a poem or a song um, or some type of like performance piece um, or just people's stories. And to use art, to use stories to um, create dialogue around some more of the uh, touchy subjects, the, the subjects that we uh, typically like to sweep under the rug. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a... The goal is just, yeah, mainly to create dialogue, but also to create some sense of community to bring people together. We've been planning this for about a year, actually. And one of the first planning meetings, I thought it was really cool. Someone said they wanted the event to be a collective Me Too. So to have people arrive, to think that maybe, not, not, not that they're alone, but think that they're kind of disconnected from a lot of people that that see things the way they do or even see things differently. Um, but they wanted to be, we wanted people to be able to look to their left, look to their right and say, oh, you think this way too or, or you too. That's awesome. Um, I guess I'm not alone in this. So, so have, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but ha- you were saying that have you tested this out before? So can you paint us a little bit of a picture of when you kind of tested it out? How did that go? Or what did that look like? And, and how might what you're about to do be a little different or the same? Yeah. So uh, the for, we we had one event previously about two months ago, and that event was it was still called different, and it was on mental health, so like social anxiety, anxiety in general, um, suicide, you know, a lot of these things that people don't want to talk about. That we all, I mean, I think every like person on the planet has social anxiety. They walk into a room and they're not sure how it's going to go. So we had an event that was trying to highlight that. It was about seven different people got up on stage. Some of them just told their story. Hey, I went, I graduated from college and I started um, having panic attacks. And then I, I tried this, I went on this, uh, you know, medicine or whatever, and then it didn't really help me. And now I've, you know, I went and saw a therapist or I got counseling and it kind of helped me, you know. So it went from that to like someone getting up there and simply um, 
well, it's called noise music. They just get up there and make these like crazy noises, right? And it was his expression of this is what it feels like in my mind sometimes, just chaos, you know? So it's different artists that got up in different ways, addressed the topic of uh, mental health. And it went, I think it went really well. Um, we had a way bigger turnout than I thought we would have had for a first time event. And uh, we had, um, th- this is online, by the way. We uh, we filmed it also. If someone yeah, wants where, to watch where it. might we be able to find it? <laughs> I haven't made it easy to find. Um, that's my fault. It's if you just lo- uh, look up the event on Facebook, different spelled D I F F R I N T, and it's just on the different event page. We posted it to that page. Okay. Um, yeah, people had had a really really good response to it. People found it very meaningful. It went way better than I thought it would. And it go. seems like the that you had a good response both from the audience as well as the participants. So I mean, I think that that's when you when you're trying to foster dialogue and you're trying to get people to talk about issues that maybe they've been uncomfortable with talking about or sometimes even uncomfortable admitting that they are issues when you yeah. start to have people on both sides of that conversation getting comfortable or at least feeling like hey, I was heard or I heard some people say some things, you're making progress. So it seems like you you kind of have a foothold in how you can make that progress, how you can get both participants as well as audience members involved. So now you, you're stepping on kind of the third rail, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, of discussion yeah. in the United States. I mean, in the United States, you know, I always tell my students that both race and class are things that we really try to avoid. But particularly when we talk about race in the context of institutional racism or institutional racial bias, people really want to walk away from that because we're this country where, hey, I pull myself up by the bootstraps. Everybody has an equal chance. That's what people like to think. Yeah. But the reality is a lot different. So how how are you approaching this one maybe a little bit differently or, you know, something bringing some of the similar things in? It's kind of interesting. So the first one was a lot more general and a lot more broad. You know, like every person, every walk, you know, every person can experience mental health issues. Similarly, every person can experience race issues for sure. Um, but this one's a little bit different because this one is more, and I, I, I don't hesitate to say this, but it's just maybe this is a uh, – a product of the system that I hesitate to say it. Uh, this is definitely for white people. This is, um, I think that all people can get something positive out of it. I've been on this journey, I don't know how long, but definitely since Ferguson, right, where I've been uh, kind of, I don't want to use the overused term of awakening. I'm not getting woke. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but the I've been realizing all of these things that I didn't know about what it means to be white. And I have conversations um, a lot with people who, with other white people, and I realize that, like, I see myself in them, and I see I was there, and not that they're bad people for it. A lot of I mean, a lot of these people, right? And this is the, the the main thing about this event is I don't. We're not focusing on the KKK. We're not focusing on neo Nazis. We're not focusing on these overt acts of di- discrimination and bigotry and hatred. It's not like a lot of people. They say I'm not a racist. I don't do these these evil things or I don't, uh, the classic, you know, I have a black friend. It's like, well, that's not what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. This is, we, I, I participate in racism every single day and it, like every system I'm a part of is, is racially like 
energized and driven. And so it's trying to educate people on the fact that our country's history is um, definitely like designed on oppressing people who aren't white and that we exist in a, in a society where every single day we're actually oppressing people. Uh, white people are oppressing. Um, I mean, I think, uh, I think that we, we have this idea that sometimes we forget that the United States was certainly founded on exclusion, exclusion of lots of people from economic systems, from society, from um, the political process. I mean, there are points in our history where women were excluded regardless of their race, Native Americans, black people were enslaved and billions and billions of dollars of free labor uh, where they weren't building any wealth. They were the wealth uh, mm-hmm. that was happening. And, and sometimes we look at that as almost something that happened in a different place. And the time was so long ago that it has no impact now. And I like the fact that you're looking not at hate groups, not at things that really, you know, they exist but they're not affecting lots of people day to day that, you know, if if a person is denied a home loan uh, due to their racial identity, if they're denied a chance at a job interview, if they are made to feel uncomfortable in a place of business, any of those things, those things can have a big impact on their lives. And some of the smaller things can build up to be bigger things. And at the same time, while people of color may be experiencing the brunt of some of those things, anytime that somebody's denied, we sometimes want to forget that that opens the door for things to be easier for someone else yeah. who may be part of the in-group. And the fact that you're opening the door to have some of those conversations, I really, really admire that because a lot of times the people who are being marginalized have to put in so much work to try mm. to educate the people in the majority. And, and sometimes you just want to cry out and say, can y'all talk amongst yourselves <laughs> for a little while? Kind of get some of these things straight. Yeah. You know, I got some laundry to do. I got life to live. <laughs> yeah. And after you guys talk it out, I'll be back and we can talk. A little yeah. More. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That the, I was writing this thing the other day. I don't know if I ever see the light of day. It might've just been a, a personal exercise for me. So I was writing this, Call it a poem, call it whatever you want. But the uh, I heard someone say something about black-on-white crime, which is a myth, first of all, and way more likely to be attacked by someone of your own race. And and so I started thinking, what's more violent than... I mean, even if we just look at like um, the violence of slavery or lynching, like what's more violent? Um, one is... Lynching, obviously, is very... Um, visceral right but what is that one act more violent than a systemic like oppressive system that's keeping an entire people group from living life right like of course like that's whatever maybe that's incendiary of me to say but like what's more violent than than refusing a home loan mm-hmm. you know like what's more violent than um someone not being able to uh walk down the street with a 14 year old be able to walk down the street with a toy gun, you know, like that, that sounds way more violent to me than like some of these overt instances of hatred towards a people group, this over overarching overreaching system to me feels way more violent, but I'm on this side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like I said, ultimately what it comes down to is a lot of people, um, well-intentioned white people, they do ask that question. What can I do? And I think what the, I think like, I, I don't hate other people. I don't, you know, fill in the blank, 
what they can do is start realizing their own privilege. They can start realizing the systems that they're in are racist. They can start um, hopefully laying down their privilege in some way or another. And I think I, I hear where you're going with with some of the comparisons, but I do think we have to be careful when we're we're trying to compare. You know, it's almost like having, you know, comparisons of suffering or something. I, I really do think that when we talk about, let's say, lynching, when we talk about violent acts, when we talk about uh, various violence by agents of the state now with police violence, yeah, and, and we have all different types of violence, that the reality is we need to look at the result, that in different times in our history, there were different means that yes. were used to basically limit the life chances of people of color, particularly black folks, there were various means that have been used to limit the full citizenship of folks and that you can see that different means are being put into place, but I don't think that we need to fully compare it. I think that it, it, it is good yeah. to look at it and see the seriousness of each one of them, but also, you know, to still respect the fact that in that moment in time, that was hell. You know, whatever it's going to be. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then definitely I hear that. And you're right. Comparing the two is not a healthy, healthy thing to do. Um, But exactly what you're saying was that was definitely my reasoning behind that that line of thinking was um, because of the well like post civil rights movement right a lot of over racism just hasn't been uh, like allowed or it's been like society has kind of looked at it differently so i feel like we've society white people in general in power have had to find a way to um still be racist with using coded language using these systems and that, that was definitely my line of thinking was that like it, exactly you said it's just different means the end the end result's the same but it's just different means. And the interesting thing is that you're doing it in 2017 and we're at a moment in our recent history where some of the curtains are being pulled back, where the dog whistles have, you know, people are using megaphones now, where it, it's a lot different than anything I had learned to teach my students. It's a little, a lot different than anything I had observed in American politics that we have a lot of elected officials as well as other leaders who are right on the edge, if not going over the edge of taking action and saying things that are much closer to the old overt racism of the past. So in this interesting moment where people are then, you know, using the, the cover of, oh, we're breaking the change of chains of political correctness uh, for that. So I think that your event comes at a good time because we have this combination of the continuation of systemic racism, systemic inequalities, uh, institutional issues, but we also have just enough going on with people who lead various institutions to open the door and open the eyes of people to say, oh, wait a minute, maybe we haven't moved as far as we thought we had gone. You know, people started to see the treatment of President Obama as his presidency came to a close and they realized, oh, wait, that post-racial thing that was a myth yeah and then you see how things are going now so i think your your timing is really good but i was just wondering like do you have you know a little can you give us a little sample of some of the things that that people may be doing you know at the event um yeah so we have a uh two or three local poets that are sharing their um experiences with uh institutional racism growing up and then we have, I think it's a really uh, unique story. We have a, a white 
mother who has two um, white kids, but also adopted uh, a girl from Africa. And his her life has been turned upside down um, as her daughter. I think, I don't know what age, I want to say maybe like four or five when uh, she was adopted. And now she's getting first grade, second grade, and dealing, finding herself in different situations in society that she wasn't as a younger person underneath the protection of her mom. So now this mom's saying, here's my little daughter that I want to protect and I can't. I, I, with all the white privilege that I have, I still can't protect her when she walks out that, that door. We're going to be sharing a couple um, videos. Um, one is uh, Common's video. It's like a 20-minute long. We're not going to show all of it, but his video for uh, Black America again, um, which I think is very a profound video. So, yeah, it's going to be poets, stories, videos, a lot of that. And do people need to go anywhere to get tickets? Or? No, totally free event. Um, and, uh, yeah, it starts at seven o'clock. And, o- and where will it be? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> starts at, uh, it's, uh, on October 11th at, uh, Roz Talks, which is, um, downtown Rock Island. And it starts at 7 PM. It's totally free. That being said, um, Roz Talks does sell food and drinks. So definitely try to support them through, uh, purchasing something to, uh, to eat or drink. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, I really like the idea and I know that, you being a Quad Cities native, uh, somebody who, you know, does work in the church, being a pastor at Connection, as well as being the owner of your own business, uh, Brandon Carlton Content Creation, that you see the Quad Cities from a number of different angles. That this is home for you, but this is also where you conduct business. This is where you conduct ministry. This is where you, as we mentioned in the beginning, you actually do a lot of the work. When you see a need, you try to fill that need. So are there any things when we talk about like institutional racism, when we talk about the openness or lack of openness and talking about these things, are there things that are particular to the Quad Cities in your experience? Because you'd be a great person to kind of give that perspective. Yeah, so different, so two different things, I guess. So one is different is actually a response to me and my personal journey that I've been on. I don't want this to turn into any critique of the church, the institution of the church, but a lot of it, a lot of the reasoning behind starting different was I was seeing a lack of participation in these conversations from a lot of the churches that I was involved in. Also, I don't believe that the church owns morality, right? Um, so I didn't want to have these conversations be take place within a church and be a spiritual, like, I don't know, have a spiritual grounding to it. I mean, I think it definitely does on a lot of different levels, but I didn't want it to be painted that way. I want it to be open to everybody. And a lot of times, <laughs> I think that if you look at uh, the history of white Christians in this country, we've done a terrible job when it comes to policing morality. Um, so, well, I did, being participants <laughs> in oppression and benefiting. Yes, from, yes. Yeah. I would say the, 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 the main culprits behind it, <laughs> to put it more yeah, bluntly. So I didn't, that didn't seem like a good idea to have that conversation within a church. So that's one, one way that I see the Quad Cities. Um, um, so and then another thing, this is a story from my business. Um, I was, I had a client that I was making some videos for, his animated video that needed voiceover. And we had, um, man, I don't know how many in our auditions we did for voiceover actors. And maybe, I, I don't know if this is 
appropriate to say, but I'm going to say it. So we had, I mean, you know, like, tell, tell me if it's not, I'm down to learn. So we had maybe 20 auditions and I sent an email to every black person I knew. I sent a text message to every black person I knew. I said, do you know anybody? I want to have a diverse and inclusion, uh, inclusive uh, hiring process, right? I, I'm an independent business owner, so I don't hire people a lot. This is kind of, this is new for me. So I'm sending emails, I'm sending text messages, and I get six or seven um, people who had never done it before. So that's fine. Give them a shot. Stick them in front of a microphone. See how they do. What I ended up having to do was drive three hours to Chicago and rent a studio, get a hotel room because I had to be there for a couple of days, and find voice actors there to do the job. And so I tell that story because I think what happens in – I think the Quad Cities is growing in diversity, slowly but surely. Um, obviously, some pockets, some cities more than others. And this is, to me, a good example of white privilege, right? It's not necessarily – it's like three things, right? What doors can you knock on? You know, what doors like are you capable of knocking on? Are you allowed to knock on? And then who's actually answering the door, right? So I had to drive to Chicago, really, to find enough people knocking on the door that weren't white. So that's like, I don't. Maybe this is extreme to say, but I, I don't. If it doesn't cost you economically, I don't think you're really making much difference when it comes to a lot of these things. So that's one. I think that a lot of people in the Quad Cities, it's easy to your talent pool when it comes to hiring people is not very diverse, and you have to go to very great lengths to seek out a diverse hiring practice. I don't know. I see that a lot. I see a lot of people that say, I wish we could hire, have a, have a more diverse team or something like that, but they don't really go to very great lengths to make it happen. I mean, I think that, that that's something that people don't recognize that if you have a long history of people being excluded, you have a long history of the people who happen to find themselves in a particular area, kind of looking outward for bigger opportunities because they've been excluded. The doors have been shut that you can't instantly just snap your fingers and all of a sudden everybody's going to feel like they're really going to be welcomed. It's like, well, am I really being, you know, interviewed to have the job or is it just to check a box? You know, yeah. am I really going to want to be in whatever environment we're talking about? So people definitely have to be mindful of the histories of the areas in which they find themselves in order to best um, navigate yeah. that situation that sometimes we don't want to be proactive for whatever it may be. You know, you may be in a traditionally all male environment and now you say, Oh, well, we're opening our doors to women. And then you say, well, why aren't the women knocking down the doors? Well, they never checked for you because yeah. it's always been an all male dominated yeah. environment. Is it going to be the most comfortable? Right. You know, who out there wants to be the Jackie Robinson yeah. to be the first one to deal with, all the slings and arrows. So it's certainly something that I'm glad you bring up that point. Um, I definitely like the idea of, of putting these types of things together, of working with different folks. I know that some of the things that, that we've worked together on, you, you've done a great job in helping with the progress of the Quad City Empowerment Network in terms of, you know, a newly forming organization over the last few years looking to uh, empower the black community, both 
politically and economically, and you've done a lot of good work for us with videography, photography, all of those things. And we really appreciated it. And I think that it also opened the door for you to make new connections and for you um, to to really do more things in the community. So I, I really like to see those mutually beneficial um, type circumstances. And one of the other things that I've been very impressed with is some of the other service that you really just creatively provide for the community. Like one of the things that always stands out to me, and I use this as, as an example, Example when I'm away from here and I'm talking to people about ways they can get involved in the community is I talk about um, your wash days program. Yeah. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? Because a lot of people might not know about that. Yeah. Well, first of all, wow. And thank you. I didn't know you. I, know, I got goosebumps when you said you're telling other people about it. Um, yeah. So it's called Laundry Love QC. Um, and we have two different locations. One's in Rock Island and one's in Davenport. And we do it once a month. It's the first Wednesday of every month. And we spend about $1,000 uh, a month on giving, giving people free laundry. So they show up, um, they bring their clothes, we bring the detergent, and we bring the dryer sheets, and we bring the bleach and the softener and the quarters, and we pump the machines full of quarters. And we what the best part about it, in my opinion, is what we have all know what the laundry process is. You start a load, and then you have like 20 minutes to do whatever. And so what we end up doing is we sit there and we talk with people and we get to hear some, um, unbelievable stories and we get to, um, really we've built a lot of cool relationships with, um, the rock Island location in particular, we have a very, so maybe we get 50 people to show up. I would say at least 40 of them are refugees, primarily from, um, Ethiopia, Tanzania, and, uh, Iraq, and then some people from uh, Myanmar also, and so we've been over to a handful of, I mean, multiple times. My wife is really good friends with now with one of the um, Iraqi refugees that moved over, and they, you know, they hang out on weekends. You know, like we've built some some really good relationships and learned from these people um, in ways that one we didn't expect to do, and two ways that have just been man very meaningful to get to know these people. Yeah, I mean, that that seems amazing that you're able to do that with something that a lot of people take for granted, that a lot of times when we think of ways that we can help people, we think of something that is far beyond us. And I think sometimes our brains purposely go to things that are far beyond us. Well, I can't buy them a house, so I get good luck to them. Yeah. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Now, the people do need their clothes cleaned. They do need, you know, help navigating whatever system it may be. You know, yeah. they may need somebody to help them to just navigate the process of dealing with a rental office, whatever it's going to be. Yeah. And I mean, simple things like that. Regular folks can get involved. Regular folks yeah. can give you a bag of quarters. Regular folks can show up with some, you yeah. know, with, yeah. with some supplies or help out or engage in conversation yeah. and do those things. Regular folks can take a, a night out of their week and attend different. I mean, there are ways in which sometimes we, we make it seem so hard and we forget that even during things like the civil rights movement, the fuel of the civil rights movement of the 1950s and 60s, it wasn't solely Dr. King or Ralph Abernathy or 
you know, Ella Baker, any of the, the well-known people who were those leaders, yeah. it was the, the little ladies at the churches who were given a dollar. It was the people during the Montgomery bus boycott who simply didn't ride the bus. And it's not as simple as it sounds, but it was average people. Yeah. And if you didn't have average people getting involved, if you didn't have average white folks getting involved, if you didn't have average black people, all of these different people coming together. Yeah. across racial lines, socioeconomic lines and stuff, you wouldn't end up having that type of progress. And sometimes we forget that we can recreate that in our own environment. Now, are there any other things that you have going? Because, you know, yeah. I don't want to, you know, glaze over anything because yeah. I know so, you do so much. So real quick, though, I want to say back to Laundry Love. The laundry, people underestimate the value of clean clothes, too. Um, a lot of people... So we hear a lot, um, oh, there's people, I mean, you know, this is a common theme, right? But, oh, there's people taking advantage of the system, which my response always is, awesome. <laughs> That's what it's there for. Where you're like, we have this money, we want people to do their laundry. And, the, oh, that person has an iPhone and they're here getting their laundry done. And I'm like, isn't that cool? As I said to someone last month, what did you buy? with your extra money that you didn't have to spend on laundry. That's what they chose to buy. And um, laundry is expensive. If A lot of people don't realize if you don't have a laundry unit in your home, laundry is expensive. These people, we spend $25 on an average family. Um, then they, they're bringing clothes from weeks, you know, weeks old. Um, and also, what's more, um, you're saying people can get involved on the, the little things. They're doing, it doesn't have to be a large scale. I think ultimately the... Why I find laundry love so meaningful is these people come feeling like half a human, and we we give them a feeling that they they uh, have value and worth, and that they are, um, yeah. I mean, imagine walking around in dirty clothes and how your self esteem, you know. And so, anyway, um, some of the other things we do is. Um, Coming up on October 21st, we have one. They're called Giving Grubs. So in a past life, I thought I was going to be a chef. Um, I'm not, but I do uh, caterings from time to time. And so four times a year, once a quarter, we do these events called Giving Grub. We hold them at a Great River Brewery in Davenport. And me and my friend, we cook food for about, I mean, normally about 50 to 100 people show up. And they all make a suggested donation. And then we give that money to a charity. It's a rotating uh, charity system where like, someone comes to us and says, hey, we need some money. Well, instead of saying, here's $300 for your charity or for your nonprofit, why don't we take that $300, spend it on food, cook the food and then sell it. And then we'll have a thousand dollars to give you and not to mention create community and create awareness around your, you know, it's definitely a better system. Uh, we also do cash mobs. So, um, once a quarter we do, um, I think the next one coming up we have is November 4th. So we pick a local business. We try to pick new businesses that are struggling to get up and running. And we, it's usually about a dozen of us, um, maybe sometimes up to 20. We'll go to a local business. It could be a restaurant. It could be a store. It could be whatever. And we, um, yeah, we just go there and show them some love and buy some stuff. Um, yeah, I think that's... that's yeah, it. I mean, all of those things certainly have a central theme running through them in terms of really trying to build community, trying to uplift people, and trying to get more people involved. That it's not just you doing it, that you're always trying to collaborate with others and really inspire other people to get involved. 
So can you just remind us uh, of the details of different? I know we talked about it before, but just, you know, time, place, how to get yes. information. One more time. Okay. Yeah. So different. Um, if you search it on Facebook, D-I-F-F-R-I-N-T uh, is an event coming up on October 11th at Ross Talks in Rock Island. Uh, it starts at 7 p.m. Uh, yeah, and you can search for that on Facebook. And yeah, this time we're going to be talking about systemic racism. Brandon, I, I'm I'm almost tired listening to all the amazing things that you do. I feel like we've been been running a race. I really thank you for all that you continue to do. I wish you the best in all your endeavors, and, and we can continue collaborating. And I certainly. Uh, would love to hear about you know the results of some of the newer things that you're doing. But thank you so much for joining us today here at Margins. It's been a pleasure. Likewise, been fun. All right, thank you. Take care. I want to thank today's guest, Brandon Carlton, for all that he does in the community and for the good conversation. And I want to thank my listeners. Your support of WVIK makes this program possible. If you'd like to make a gift to the station, visit WVIK.org to donate. And thanks to our producer, Lacey Scarmano. We'll be back soon.